Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Next Level. I'm JVL here with my best friends, Sarah Longwell and Timothy Miller of The Bulwark. Happy Fourth Indictment Week to all who celebrate. Before we get started, uh, please go over to thebulwark.com and go ahead and give us your email. Sign up. We do all sorts of really good free stuff. I think what we do is really quite good. I would say I'm looking at our content this week. It's been exceptional. Crushing it. Crushing Very, it. very good content. And like 90% of it is free. So go, go get all the free stuff. We've got indictment number four. I've already spoken with Tim a little bit about this in the impromptu YouTube live stream we did yesterday. Sarah, I have no idea what your thoughts are on this. Do you think that this is real prosecutorial overreach and another example of the two-tiered system of justice that we have in which these politically motivated Democratic district attorneys Black. are out there doing their, their thing, going after a God-fearing patriot? Yeah, that's what I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. You know, I don't know about the overreach, like with the Rico case. I'm not a lawyer. I've read now positions from lawyers I respect across the political spectrum. People have different opinions on how this could play out. I understand the concerns of people who think because it's so wide reaching, you could end up with like minor victories for Trump along the way if certain things get thrown out. And I do think that this is, it is starting to come into view how wild I wish I had a law degree because so much of this is going to be legal over the next, you know, 18 months. But like the extent to which he is going to be in and out of courtrooms where there's going to be breaking news, discovery coming to light, like all kinds of things happening while this election is unfolding is just crazy. Because we were doing an ad, I've listened to his call with Brad Raffensperger like a thousand times while we were editing the ad. The call is the full wild. Call, the full perfect phone call or just the just the clip? Well, I've listened to the whole thing and then I've listened to what I think are the best excerpts. Uh, so both. And he is just there being like, you can recalculate. This is this will be very bad for you, Brad Raffensperger. It will be very bad for you if you don't recalculate and go find me 11,261 votes, which is one more than we need. I mean, it's just so clear but, you know, uh, I get a lot of calls from reporters who were like, my editors are just wondering if uh, this is going to be the one that really breaks through. <laughs> and I hate to be the bearer of bad news. I hate to break all these uh, people's hearts. But I got to tell you, we've been asking about these indictments and focus groups for months and months and months. And if I haven't said this already, have I, you been I'm in the field this morning? Who knows? Maybe that was it. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe it happened. This time, it's different. <laughs> Big change. And I would just like to draw a quick note around what has now become a pretty familiar playbook. But like, again, so the voters, I think there was a period of time, right, where people were like, but the accumulated weight of the indictments, right? Once there's so many, that is going to chip away. And it's actually the opposite, right? The more of these there are, the less people can tell them apart, the less people dig into particulars, the more it feeds a narrative that is now very well established within the right-wing media ecosystem and also among elected officials. I mean, it, I don't know, Ted, Ted Cruz's comments, like people, they have righteous indignation. Mm. This is about Biden coming after his main political rival, you know, and it is unfortunate for a variety of reasons that Trump is so far out in the polls because that lands with a lot of people like, yeah, Trump's going to be the nominee and this is Biden prosecuting Trump. And that is all I hear from voters in these groups. How stupid are these voters, Sarah? 
Do I they understand that Joe Biden does not control Fannie Willis? That she does not, she's not a direct report to him? How stupid is Ted Cruz? How yeah. stupid is every... Ted Cruz is went to Harvard Law, didn't he? Yeah. And these voters didn't, mostly. Maybe they're all in on it. And I didn't get a law degree, so help me understand. But there, so there have been four separate grand juries now yeah. uh, made up of regular folk. Regular folk, not Richmond, north of Richmond, just regular people, you know, that got called in to sit on these grand juries. You would think that in one of the cases, one of them would have said, no, I don't think so, actually. I don't think that we should indict this person. This seems like a witch hunt. But that hasn't happened yet. So I, I just I am confused. Is, is dementia riddled Joe Biden just kind of also controlling the people in all of these separate grand juries in four different jurisdictions and four states? And the extent to which Biden has refused to get involved in any of this is like he's been the Boy Scout. Everybody says they want and gets no credit. That's great. The argument is that the jurisdictions are all part of woke oh, the cities. Deep state. Florida? Yeah, these are all. Uh, woke Florida? <laughs> you, hear, you hear about woke Florida all the time. I think I thought where Florida is where woke goes to die. It's a great point. But can I, JB, I'll just admit, though, or not admit, I'm not demanding of you, but like. You can demand. You, you yell at these voters. But like Ted Cruz and a bunch of these other these these members of Congress, many of them do have law degrees. Mm -hmm. They do know the difference. Well, they're lying. Right. For personal gain. Sure. Right. So if you're a voter, you you have no personal gain about this. And what, why would you take Ted Cruz's word over like Maggie Haberman's? What do you, Lion you Ted. think? Ted? It's right in the name. Lion Ted. It's literally right in the name. You hate <laughs> <Yeah>. Ted Cruz. <laughs> they don't. And let me tell you what. I mean, the idea that you would be like, why would you trust Ted Cruz over Maggie Haberman? <laughs> like as an honest question of like how these voters think to me is come on, man. I'm sorry. That's because I am not going to have like the soft bigotry of low expectations for them. <laughs> Right. I am not going yeah, to right. This assume... is about you having deep respect for the voters. <laughs> it you is. Loving them so much. It is. Yeah. I love uh -huh. all children of God. Tim, you've been barely talking and I can see you're chomping at the bit. Go ahead. I, well, I've got feelings. I, I just did the first day of kindergarten drop off. So I might cry at some point during this podcast. I'm getting I'm emotional. I've, I've had a couple celebration mimosas. I know it's early. I don't know. I think it's because we do. We get two spring breaks in Louisiana. I, anyway. So I'm a little emotional. So I was happy to listen to Sarah talk. The thing that is just worth stepping back in that everyone has soft bigotry of low expectations for these politicians, the Republican politicians, mm -hmm. except for, you know, if you're watching MS or something, like, it does feel like like there is no pushback on this point. I mean, the fact that Steve Ducey, we talked about this on the YouTube, was like softly pushing back on Trump's lawyer. And Trump's lawyer was like, whoa, Steve, I thought you were here for Mr. <laughs> Trump. I, I, nobody asked these the obvious questions. You know, I was watching Chris Christie, who I hate on Fox, and thank goodness he's out there, this person that I loathe. And, uh, you know, Dana Perino and Bill Hemmer, who I guess are the normal ones on Fox, are asking him about the free speech element to this. Like, wasn't he just expressing free speech? Yeah, man. I, uh, you know, wasn't he just doing that? And and Chris Christie is like, like, does the Al Gore thing. He's like, yeah, sure. He could have done all the legal challenges he wanted, but like eventually he has to concede. And that's what I said to him in December. And you can kind of see the body language of Dana and Bill drop down a little bit and be like, I don't know how to push back on this. Like Dana's nodding at Bill while he's asking the question. And then Chris Christie gives like the obvious reply. And these people are, are so sealed in their information bubbles that they're not challenged. Uh, and, and so they can perpetuate these obvious insane lies about, about the deep state and, and the free, all of this without any, 
without any issue. And I think that also plays into the voter element of this. I want to talk a little bit about the legal aspect of this, because it seems to me, and Ken White talked about this yesterday, this case is never coming to trial. There are 19 co-defendants. There's going to be jurisdictional fight about moving at least three of them over into federal court. There are going to be decisions about who wants to be tried separately, who wants to be tried together. Like this thing, it could be two years before it ever sees the inside of a courtroom in terms of anything other than motions. And that's bad, especially bad because the indictment itself is quite damning. But I I do have a ray of sunshine because do you know who's going to get screwed in this? Rudy. Rudy and all of the middlemen, all of the functionaries. These are their these other 18 guys. They are effed. And that is a really important function. And tell me why. Well, because they're going to have to roll because a lot of them don't have the resources to fight infinitely. Right. Rudy is dead to rights. Right. I mean, Trump has the defense of like, hey, I was just doing what my lawyers told me, my Fakakta lawyers. Right. And and Rudy is the lawyer who is saying, let's go do the criming. Rudy is going to either die or wind up in prison. I don't think there's a world in which Rudy like escapes this. Right. I mean, except for death. Right. Unless unless he dies before he gets sentenced. I don't think Rudy Rudy can get his way out of this. And a lot of these other well, guys. Cirrhosis. Cirrhosis does have a way of coming at you. Ray Stalling Smith. That guy is screwed. Janet Ellis is screwed. It's really, really important. In the same way that prosecuting all of the January 6th insurrectionists was important. Because you have to send a message to other prospective people who think that it's all free and you can just do whatever you want. You could go out and, and you know, invade the Capitol. And, uh, you know, it's just like being on Twitter. You, you, you say some stuff on Twitter and you stir up the pot and then if it gets too hot, you can delete your tweet. But that's, you know, the rules of Twitter are the rules of the real world. And it is important to, uh, you know, like I said this yesterday, I'm going to say it again, I'm going to try it today. Pour los otros, we, we, we want to drop the full force of the rule of law on these people's heads so that the next set of functionaries who think that they can shuck and jive within MAGA world you know, for fun and profit think, oh, maybe my life will be ruined if I do this. Yeah. So one of the things that Trump has, in addition to the I relied on these lawyers, is that he's been fundraising. Yeah. You know, he, he's got all kinds of money to pay all these lawyers to go through the Jenna Ellis, I bet does not. <laughs> and you know who's not going to help them and pay their legal bills? Mm. Donald Trump. I've got something for you. I also have a French uh, phrase. Fuck you, Jenna Ellis. And uh, <laughs> you are finding out. Um, here we go. Here she is. I'm on her I'm on her X page right now. That's what you call Twitter now. X. Um, she's a servant of Jesus Christ. That's her bio. Mm. Uh, Aren't we all? Interesting. Um, uh, just a couple of X's. I want A couple of Z's I want to share with you. She sent one yesterday. We will fight for Jenna, third person. If you would like to help support our efforts, please consider donating by clicking the link below. America and the profession of law are worth the fight. Mm. Good luck with that, Jenna. Um, I'm sure you'll get a couple of pennies. You know, she is for DeSantis now. This is really a bad call, I think, for her. Probably the wrong time to find find Jesus, so to speak, um, and uh, and flip to DeSantis, um, because uh, a lot of quote tweets dunking on that from MAGA world, um, you know, calling her a traitor. So I don't think those people are going to be giving her money. Another interesting post from Jenna Ellis um, on X from when it was called Twitter. 
This is Jenna. I could spend a full-time job just responding to the ridiculously illogical, inconsistent, and blatantly stupid arguments supporting Donald Trump. March 17th, 2016. But here's the thing. His supporters don't care about facts or logic. They aren't seeking truth. Trump probably could shoot somebody in the middle of the street in New York City. We don't have a truth seeker. We have a narcissist. Probably should have stuck with that. Probably should have stuck with her initial response. And this is the thing that is so just gratifying about this, about about the middlemen going down, is that it is... You know, one of the key themes of my book and on this podcast and, and my yoga practice was just accepting the fact that, that, <laughs> that good things happen to bad people and that the people that went along with Trump weren't going to get punished. And it is nice to see somebody who was is so blatantly caught red-handed doing this for the grift, not believing this, advancing a lie in an attempt to overthrow our democracy, is getting what's coming to her. Now she's begging for pennies in order to fund her defense and, and racketeering charges in support of Donald Trump. So that is, that's really heartwarming, I do have to say. When Trump said he could shoot people on Fifth Avenue and get away with it, he meant people like Jenna Ellis. They got shot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Anyway, so do I do either of you have like high expectations for this thing? Because because I don't. But uh, reading. the I indi- do. Okay, Tim, please give me your expectations. Here's my expectations. My jail expectations we can table. This thing is on camera. I, I understand the argument that, oh, Trump's going to have some small legal wins and there'll be certain things that make him feel good, have good news cycles. But here's the other thing. Like there is going to be bad Donald Trump news in the news constantly. It is going to be televised, this. There is going to be additional testimony. Uh, News outlets are going to have to cover it. Will this penetrate the people listening to Steve Bannon's podcast? No. You know, that's like another problem for another day. Will it penetrate the... um, did you see the John Meacham line, which I'm so annoyed that I have to, I have to give him credit for? He called him the Peter Millar vest conservatives. <laughs> well, that, you know those. You know those. You got to Google a Peter Millar vest. It's like those. Those like kind of kind of puffy vests that the guys wear to Sun Valley. Oh, you know right. you'll see Bob Iger right. in them in Sun Valley. Um, you know, uh, like those guys that read the Wall Street Journal ad board, and you know their wife was upset with them that they didn't support Hillary. Will this penetrate those? people yeah it is going to uh, not in the republican primary but donald trump's popularity goes down the more this stuff is in front of people's faces it does have an impact on casuals it does have an impact on soft republicans and this thing is going to be really bad news for him constantly over the course of the next year and we're going to get to the enjoyment of the fingerprinting and and all of the and all of just the other stuff that makes donald trump feel ashamed and and makes him feel owned, really, because he has to surrender. He has to surrender to Fonnie Willis sometime in the next seven days. And that's it's tough to be the alpha male while you're surrendering to Fonnie Willis. But what about the timeline? I agree with your analysis of how it would affect sort of swing casual voters. That's if it takes place during the general election. And I guess some part of it will. But to JVL's point, what happens if it's mainly motions, paperwork, change of venue filing and like, all they are are process stories for the next 18 months. Still not great. Yeah. Yeah. Right? No, I, I mean, on the great. margins. And sure, is it everything we want? Is it Donald Trump in an orange jumpsuit before the election? Pro- uh, well, or, but probably But is it Donald not. Trump in a courtroom? Is it is it him, you know, in a televised trial? Besides, like, the plea. 
Yeah, well, at least one. It'll at least start. We'll start. We'll get that sometime in the next week. Great. He'll plead not guilty, and it'll take two seconds. He'll be be selling T-shirts with his mugshot on it. Right. This is, you know, his mugshot will be jet jawed and yeah again you know, yeah up. sure that's so look look i would share your guys view about this if i held out any hope that a normal person was can, could beat him in the primary because i do agree the mugshot t-shirt sure like helps him raise money it helps the rally around the flag effort in the primary i see people wearing those all over my town a month yeah from now. but that part is already done though it's already happened like these guys are running against him the nicest thing you could say is there's a debate next week, and so let's see what happens. But, like, you know, they are saying his talking points already. They might as well wear the mugshot T-shirt, yeah. right? So I, besides <laughs> Vivek, Christie, I'm sure right? will. So, Vivek will campaign in the, in the mugshot T-shirt. So if there were people out there, if this was a tough race, and I, I thought that it might help Donald Trump on the margins of the primary and there was a better alternative, but, like, that's not the world we're living in. So, I, I, so the mugshot T-shirt does not help him. In the Atlanta suburbs with the Peter Millar vest dad going to, you know, the gym in Buckhead, I promise. And those are the people that he needs to win back. I hope you're right. I try to stay as far away from voters as possible, but I fear that uh, that those they're going to, you know, look, they don't want to. But that that's BLM Antifa socialist Joe Biden with his woke mind virus and uh, I will say, some, somebody on Reddit posted the other day, I just paid $1.49 for 18 eggs. I was assured that this is the most important metric in the world. Does this mean that Joe Biden's going to win in a landslide? I was like, ah, oh, my friend, I'm sure the price of gas will become the most important metric in the world. And then it, Egg prices have gone down. I noticed we, we're in a peach shortage. Have well, that's why we're Joe Biden shortage. can't win. Because, you know, normal people very go unhappy into the grocery the store fruits. to uh, stone fruits. <laughs> in my local grocery store have been disgusting this year. That price is the bellwether for presidential reelect. <laughs> okay, we're going to do this once a month. We are going to remember the, the Johnny Carson great car. None of you people even remember who Johnny Carson was. I don't know why I'm trying to do that like an old person. Some of them do. No, we have no, some Johnny nobody remember. people here. People don't even remember Jay Leno. We're going to pretend. Jaywalking. We're going to pretend that it is August of 2025, two years from now, and you have three choices to predict the future of Donald Trump. He is either in the White House, in jail, or neither. Tim, you go first. I've been enjoying this bit because it's like, this is crazy. This is our world, right? <laughs> like, these are the options. Jail or the White House. Like, uh, um, And this is a high-stakes high game of poker, if you will. I was thinking about this last night, and my quick math is, if he has an 80% chance of being the nominee, which is probably low, but let's just go with that, and a 40% chance of being winning the general, which is maybe a hair high, that takes us to about a 32%, a third. So I think that we have a one-third chance that he's in the, in the White House. So I'm just going a third, a third, a third. That's how I feel right now. This is my highest that my jail number has ever been today. Like, it's just been going up slowly. You know, it was maybe at 5% last Christmas. So so the jail number is is right now on the upswing. I'm one-third, one-third, one-third. Sarah? Two years from now, I'm going to go years. with n- neither, but close to potential jail, right? I just think the timeline on this stuff, I I was talking to a lawyer friend and they were just like, the amount of documents in any of these cases, like if it was a normal, like a normal person, like it would take at least two years to litigate these cases. 
And I think that things are going to get really weird the closer we get to the election. And I'm not sure that there won't be like full on stops in things or, you know, that there will get he will get some of these judges to rule. I mean, some of them won't. Right. There's different judges in all of these, but some of them will probably hit pause. And so, like, I think that my jail potential is also higher than it's ever been. But to me, the timeline matters a great deal for all of this. A rank the three. Rank the three, most likely to least likely. Neither most likely, White House, jail. You guys are both way too optimistic. (laughs) I would say it's a 50% chance he's in the White House, 49% chance it's neither, uh, and a 1% chance of jail. He's not going to jail. Have you, you see America, right? You guys live in America. People like him don't go to jail. G. Gordon Liddy went to jail. I watched White House plumbers. People like Donald Trump don't go to jail. Past presidents don't go to jail. And honestly, I'm not sure he should be in jail. Like, he should be guilty, but having him actually get carted away in his jumpsuit, I think, introduces all sorts of really dangerous stuff. I I just don't see a way in which he ever sees the inside of even a holding cell. I agree with 2014 Ben Shapiro. <laughs> he went on Larry King Live and, and and he was like 12 years old and he was like, we should be jailing more presidents. It was maybe a little hubristic at the time, but I, I don't know. I think that's right. I think we should be jailing. 50, 49, 1 for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Wow. No, he's either. That's dark. For him, honestly, I. On know. brand. <laughs> All right. Dark. Twitter DMs. The president of the United States was using Twitter to communicate with people. I mean, I feel like this is a breach of some sort of presidential communications law in that like you can't whatever. What the fuck do we even care? Like he did an insurrection and everybody says it's fine. Me worrying about him using unsecured Twitter DMs, which belong to a private company, which can then compromise the president on it. That is. I'm, so, I'm sorry. No, secure hygiene commu- and communications was the number one issue of the 2016 election. Oh so I don't think. I don't think we can just brush it aside. I mean, I'm nobody, and I won't use Twitter DMs to communicate with people because that shit is not secure. Like, okay, just really quick. Number one, the fact that he's DMing people is actually the most surprising thing I've learned about Donald Trump in 10 years. I feel like everything else is predictable, but I, like the fact that he's, uh, I need to see these DMs. Like, can you, like his thumbs, <laughs> like, I can, like, I, I, could there be national, like, do you think in, do you think he's like doing like bomb Iran question mark no. and sending it to Hannity? Like, what is, like, like what no, do you, like, you know what, what is? does the DM say? I bet it's him DMing like Robert Pattinson after the Kristen Stewart breakup and be like, you stay strong kid i bet it's or all cat, like celebrity no. star fucking cat turd no i bet it's all celebrity star fucking like him throwing attaboys Please to the people that he retweet likes retweet requests yeah. for cat turd uh question here's the thing about the dms they can't have been particularly uh, people would have leaked that he was dming them right like it would have come out that he was if he was dming celebrities you don't think people would have shared That's that true. probably That's true. Cat turd probably keep it close to his vest, though. Yeah, that guy's the soul of discretion. <laughs> I don't know about this. I think any of these Twitter, like, Trump suck-ups would at some point have put that into the public domain. But we know they the Twitter knows that he was DMing. Like, the, the, there was, there's some data in the DM. Yeah, but maybe he's just sending links back and forth, like, to tweets. Like, and it's very... 
Or maybe there's like two people he communicates with yeah. over DMs, like members of his campaign. Like, Here are this- things we don't have to worry about in a Joe Biden administration. And I don't understand why nobody else sees this as a big plus, right? We've got this, this 90-year-old grandpa who doesn't know how to use anything that plugs into a wall with that newfangled he's electricity. Still reading paper, <laughs> and, newspapers, uh, sitting you know, at the he's desk. riding his bicycle and eating his ice cream, and we don't have to worry that he's DMing people on Twitter. And isn't that a good thing? But no, no, we're all going to take a risk on the guy who could otherwise wind up in jail. Because I don't... Did you see Mo, Mona? Mona has a piece up today. I'm sorry. I'm really... Talk for a moment amongst yourselves while I pull up this Mona stat. Okay. While you pull up the Mona piece, can we just, though, you skipped over. I, there were two shocking elements of the Twitter DM story. And, and we got to the fact that tr- the fact that Trump DMs people at all is intriguing. But did you see the links that Twitter went to prevent oh, yeah. uh, the prosecutors for getting this? Did you see this Politico story? So we've got the district judge, Beryl Howell held Twitter in contempt of court, fined the company because they weren't complying with the search warrant. But the more interesting thing is the company told Trump, like, I, this is this is totally inappropriate. Like, they, they subpoenaed for this. The company would has no, does not do this in other cases. It's not like if my Twitter DMs were subpoenaed for some reason that, you know, a Twitter spokesperson would call me and be like, hey, by the way, the feds are heads up. The feds are looking looking for you. Twitter gave Trump a heads up, and this judge is out there going, is, is saying, is that, did you do this to make Donald Trump feel like he's particularly welcomed as a new user of Twitter? Did the new boss demand this? I mean, that is wild shit. How about this? Do you remember when uh, Barry Weiss and the other anti-antis were given an all-access pass to Twitter to look at anything and everything they could ever, they could just tell, you know, they had the God's eye view of Twitter. None of them thought to check in on this. Amazing. Amazing. All right, this is this is from Mona's piece today. This is, again, go to thebulwark.com. This is the shit you're missing. A recent poll found that only 32% of Americans believe that Joe Biden has, quote, the mental sharpness to serve effectively as president. 32%. That same poll all asked about Trump's mental fitness to serve uh, effectively as president. Would you like to guess the, the Trump's number? Well, he's got a baseline of 45. 45. So 46. Yeah. 54%. <laughs> 54% of this country thinks that Donald Trump has the mental fitness to be president. Those are your voters, Sarah. They were just doing, they're just talking about cognitive, like he's cognitively all there, man, woman, camera, Have they listened to him speak? Horse dog or whatever. <laughs> I, there is no way to shine this up. This democracy thing, it does not work. <laughs> I'm sorry. I want to go back. That is a terrible stat that I, I, I've not got Demona's piece this morning yet. And so I don't want to know what's in the rest of that article, but that's alarming. But the Barry Weiss thing, I, I'm sorry. I just, I can't get off this. That is, it is crazy. Elon Musk takes over this company and is like, Barry Weiss and Matt Taibbi can have total all access to everybody's information, all the the correspondence of the old regime, like whatever you need, you can have. A federal judge says we need access via subpoena, and they're like, no, pound sand. (laughs) Hey, man, I mean, fight the woke mind virus. These are serious people. And the whole premise of Barry and all them seeing this is, is it was to expose the fact that the last regime was politically oh, biased. Oh, so biased. Because this because Elon's certainly not acting politically biased. He certainly would have done this for Joe for Joe Biden. He certainly would have done this for, you know, 
Diane Even Jack Dorsey has hopped off the Elon train. I don't know if you clocked that. I don't have extensive Twitter thoughts. But the thing that I was going to ask is, so Jack Dorsey was the one fighting the subpoena, right? So Jack, it was. No, Musk. Elon was, was fighting. Fe- it was February. Yes. It was right after he took over. This all happens right after he takes over. Hmm. That is weird. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. Well, is it though weird? Is it? No, because it's, totally, it's like it's totally he's trying to suck up to Trump, get him back on the site, you know, signal to which team he's on. $350,000 fine. They don't have a lot of money to throw around over there. Well, they have enough. I mean, you know, yeah, they, they can put their, their big strobe light X up on the top of the building and they could, you know, they, they have enough for to cover the essentials, Tim. Yeah. And at this point, he's what, in for $40 billion of the bank's money? Like, he's fine. He's like firing people. He's like firing coders and being like these cat ladies that that Dorsey hired, you know, that don't do anything and sit at home and like work remotely. They're fired. I can't cover their salary, but I'm happy to pay these fines to run cover for watching Elon go pro Trump after pushing all in into DeSantis is going to be amazing. And I can't wait because we're going to have a confluence events where these two guys who hate each other, Elon is going to have to go full Trump. And it's going to be glorious to watch because everybody's going to be talking about Trump and Elon can't have people talking about things that don't involve him. And he was on the wrong side of this. And so he's going to be back with Trump to fight the woke mind virus. It's going to be great. Can I throw a question at Sarah on this yeah. point? This isn't something that's been bouncing around my head before we get to Richmond. We're just we're just exploring this live. OK, we're exploring this live. I've been about as hardcore on the fact that if there's a third party, no labels, type person that it, that it hurts Biden. And I still think that that's likely right. But. With everything that's happening with Trump, you have the Joe Rogan class now. Like, Rogan is, Elon will come around on Trump because he's pot committed now. Rogan's got his own base. He's not going back to Trump, right? Like, he's not. Like, he's going to sit it out. He'll he'll do the whole, like, you know, the Rogan bro crowd will do the whole, Biden has dementia, Trump's a criminal, we can't, you know, this country's broken, we need something else, right? Is there not a third person in that category that could take from Trump? I, I was always of the view that, that like, really any third-party person takes from Biden. But is there not a category of person that could run, that could take from Trump in the kind of bro culture lane? Yeah, like Kennedy? Like Kennedy. Yeah, so I think somebody like that could, because it's not, you know, it's not just Joe Rogan. Like, I've been having this thought, too, not about the third party, but about what people do like Ben Shapiro, the people who really went all in for DeSantis, he's out. They have made it clear they think what Trump did is bad. Like, what do they do when Trump's the nominee and they've got this audience that there's that they've basically figured no that they've basically right they figured out how to gently be on Trump's side because he's bad, but we still have to vote for him. So this, yeah. but like, I don't know those types of people. I could see uh, Joe if Joe Rogan ran himself. Somebody like that, like a celebrity of the right. I think those people could, but those people don't have the infrastructure to get on the ballot. Like the reason and that's not who No Labels is this, talking about. Like No Labels isn't going to bring in that's R- right. RFK Jr. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and so the reason No Labels is dangerous is that the kind of candidates that they would mine would be like the Joe Manchin, Larry Hogan ticket. And so now you're not playing in the right wing, you know, podcasting space. You're pulling from normies. Come on, let's talk about the weird singing guy. All right. So there is this uh, ginger 
mouth-breathing idiot who has gone viral on with his his cri de coeur. Look at that. Look at me dropping French everywhere. I haven't understood half this podcast. <laughs> Voulez-vous coucher avec moi? Avec moi. Ça, right? Uh, he has a, a song, a, an anthem for the working man, for the populist patriots who run this country called The Rich Men North of Richmond. His name is Oliver Anthony. And I, Tim, do you want to do the lyrical, uh, the, the lyrics? I do. Please. So I, I'm going to say um, just a few things before I do the lyrics is that so on the Amanda Shires interview, we talked about the Aldine song, mm-hmm. the, song, the, song the viral country song before this. And, and she had many interesting things. If you haven't listened to that podcast, you should to say about it. But her most trenchant insight was, was this is not a bop. <laughs> She's like, it's a bad song. It's not a bop. That's not really true for this one. Oliver Anthony's song, it's a little catchy. It's a little bit of an earworm. It is. If you're into that sort of hillbilly kind of old Crow Medicine Show type I thing. Am. Like if you're not into Yeah, right. So if you so if you listen to it, it's a little bit of an earworm. Yeah, what do you okay. think? Nails on a, a chalkboard. It's not amazing. It's, it's not the best song ever. Okay. It's a little bit of an earworm for me. And like the guy, you know, when he starts, you know, it's kind of like it starts as if it could be you know, sort of an old John Prine song or something. You know, it's like he's, it's normal. I've been selling my soul, working all day, overtime hours for bullshit pay. It's like, okay, this could be David Allen Coe, like whatever, normal stuff. And, you know, he seemed, he is trying to do this. Oh, I'm a, like, I'm genuine. I care about you. I care about the working man thing and all his interviews. And I was like, okay, well, there, there could be something here. But then we get to the third verse. You ready for the third verse? I don't think Sarah made it that far, so she's excited to hear it. I had to listen to this first part a couple times to understand what he was saying. I wish politicians would look out for minors and not just minors on an island somewhere. Do you get that? That's a little, are, that's a little Epstein Island. Yeah. Coal miners versus miners, Lolita Express miners. Exactly. And then he goes, Lord, we got folks in the street, ain't got nothing to eat, and the obese milk and welfare... Well, God, if you're five foot three and you're 300 pounds, taxes ought not pay for your bags of fudge rounds. <laughs> Young people putting themselves six feet in the ground, we're going to kick them around, blah, blah, blah. Taxes are bad. What are fudge rounds? So, are they good? <laughs> should get some. What are they? Fudge rounds are kind of new. It used to be the ding dong joke, I think, or Twinkies, but we've moved on to fudge rounds. I think that's kind of showing that he's, you know, that's what they got down at the, at the market in Farmville, Virginia. My issue with this is... Like, the whole thing is bullshit. And the reason why I want to talk about it, it is so just on the nose for the entire MAGA bullshit conceit, right? Which is that, like, we care about the working people. We're going to be on the side of the working man. The forgotten We're man. We're going to help you out. The forgotten mm. man. But then when you get down into the particulars of it, it's like, no, you're not. I, like this is nothing. Like his what his his solve the thing that's going to help the working man is that we have to stop giving SNAP benefits to somebody that is on welfare. Like we can't give food stamps to people. Like who's that going to help? This guy. Like let's just take him seriously in this conceit. He he's working two jobs for bullshit pay. He's not fucking paying any taxes. 
He does he understand how the progressive <laughs> tax system works? If he's working two jobs with for barely enough pay, like he's paying minimal taxes. He's paying like tiny payroll taxes. His money isn't going to pay for the fudge rounds, you know? Like the people that are paying for SNAP are are rich people. Like it's rich people's taxes that are going to pay for SNAP. And so if this guy is worried that his tax his money is being taken, the policy answer to that is lower taxes on the bottom rung of the tax ladder, increase taxes on the rich to pay for it. Do you know whose policy platform that is? Hmm. Elizabeth mm. Warren's. That's Elizabeth Warren's policy platform. That's not that's not Donald Trump's platform. That's not Mitch. None of these people want to do that. Like they want minimum taxes. That was the whole thing about makers and takers. And like this, like the, the the Republican tax plan would make this fucker pay more money. And so like this whole thing is just full, it's just bullshit. It's just all like, oh, I'm on the side of working people, but the bad guys are some some shadowy government people who actually I agree with on policy and fat black women who aren't working hard enough for my taste. That's it. Those are the enemies in this thing. It's fucking enraging. That's, Sarah, I'm sorry. I don't, you, you go first because I, I would like to rant about this. Well, we just don't, I think, talk about this enough as in terms of Trump, where what Trump has done with his populist movement is managed to signal to people culturally and do nothing for them economically. Because he has won. He dominates with these white working class, non-college voters, but it is not because of his economic policies. No. Like what he could it manages, it's, it's a trick. It's a trick that they have managed to pull off by saying like, we are on your side on these cultural issues and we will feed you that, right? That's what we will feed you instead of economic policies that are designed for you. Good, bad, whatever. I it's guess just trade wars would be the one thing that he's saying he's doing for them economically, uh-huh. right? Sure. But but he lied about a lot of things. Like when this I specifically minors, this was something Trump did that enraged me the whole time he was campaigning. He kept telling people he was going to bring coal jobs back. He would go to these communities that had been built up around mining that had been flatlining for a long time. If you drive around Pennsylvania, you see them, but he would go and sell them a fiction that those jobs were coming back. Those jobs were never coming back. The world, it just, it, the world has moved on from that. And like, it's a lie. It's a false hope. Also, as our friend Noah Smith did, because he tried to take this thing seriously and unpack, he treated this as if it was a policy treatise and unpacked it. Coal miners make 20% more than the national average. Coal miners are fine. The remaining coal miners are doing Well, those fine. jobs are coal gone. The reason people fine. want those jobs back is because they were good middle-class jobs. Paying jobs. Yeah. They, they are, and they are right now. They, there but may not be tons no. of them, but they if you're a coal miner, if you're working in the mining industry, you're doing well. The incoherence of this thing. <laughs> I don't know. That's, yeah, I, don't I think know that's that. not correct. I mean, just the stats are the stats, right? I mean, 20% more than the national average in terms of, of that's the point. The point is those jobs are gone and they used to be the thing that people counted on in whole communities of how they raised their families. And they went away. Like if you drive around like the cores of Ohio and Pennsylvania and like what they call the rust belt, you just see hollowed out towns that used to once thrive around manufacturing around coal mining. And those are gone. And that's where the forgotten man stuff comes from. And you know what we're building a lot of right now? Manufacturing facilities, yep. thanks no, to a couple of 
you know. It's like, but I guess so, thanks to the rich men north of Richmond, but I, they didn't get they didn't get a shout out. The new, I, I guess he didn't he didn't pay attention to what was in the IRA. So the, this is, I mean, it is a mistake to treat this ridiculousness as a bill of particulars or a policy roadmap, right? Because, you know, we have a guy who's saying the government wants to control everything. Also, why aren't, why isn't the government helping coal miners? And why isn't the government helping people who are committing suicide? And also, why isn't the government helping the people who are homeless? Also, the government should stop helping the people who are fat. Like what, it's 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 insane, right? And and so government <laughs> control is bad, but it should be controlling all of these other things. And what it really is is about it's about they, right? It's about they and them, the bad people who are responsible for all the, the lousy pronouns. shit that's happened in your life, right? And I am so it's sorry. Also, kind of about the pronouns. <laughs> He is concerned about people who want to control everything you do. What does he think about the Texas fucking abortion of bounty law, right? I mean, what, what was the, the story you shared with us yesterday, Tim, uh, or the day before about the seventh grade girl who in was raped in Mississippi and had to have a kid? This is that seems to me to be like government trying to control things. Now, maybe you think that that's good and government should control them. But then don't in your song, in your creed occur, be like, but the government is trying to control things, right? You you have a vision of control that you would like to see. And it turns out that none of this means anything except that they look around and they don't like the brown girl at Starbucks with the nose ring. That's what it's all about. I don't know about all about because I do think if you go into these communities, like the opioid crisis was real there. The fentanyl crisis right now is real. They do know lots of their friends have died. There is an addiction crisis. There's a loneliness crisis. I'm bite down in these on the stick so I don't say something I'll regret. Don't, don't. I think the problem here is where, and this is this is a this is again a trick is where there is real suffering, and so people want to blame someone, and Republicans have given them an outgroup to blame for their suffering in lieu of solutions, in lieu of policies that help. I, I really agree with Sarah on this. And this is the thing that is what is at the core of what pisses me off the most. And not that we should expect this fucking redheaded douche to like, like understand the nuances of every policy, but among the politicians, among the J.D. Vance's of the world. When I looked back at like the at the autopsy and I did like my self-reassessment of the things that we did wrong, I, I think in retrospect... We could have put forth a vision for a Republican Party that I wouldn't have liked, but that would have been true, right? That would have said, hey, these people have gotten fucked over by the wars. They were disproportionately serving in the wars, and that was stupid, and we should we should reflect on that. That, that free trade has been, like, pretty good on balance, but there have been certain communities that got fucked over on that, and we need to figure out ways to, you know, make them whole. Like, that, that we should be spending more money on Medicaid and, like, re, and, and addiction treatments and things like this. We should reassess some of the old Republican Party policies on that stuff instead of reassessing the Republican Party policies on immigration and gays and, and you know, the soft stuff that I like. And, like... That would be fine. That, like again, that, then we could have two healthy parties. One that is like I am concerned about like the the working class rural folks' legitimate concerns and trying to solve them, and and you know another party that is more diverse and has a, a different interest. But that isn't what any of this shit is. Like that's the thing that is, pisses me off so much about this song and about JD Vance and Josh Hawley, and it's like. 
it's all it's all fake. Like we're getting people mad about fake shit and and we're not actually helping them. And and in fact, we're stealing their money to pay for Donald Trump's defense and we're telling them not to get vaccinated so they're dying disproportionately. And some of them, the ones who are most riled up, they're in jail now actually. We have them in jail because they believed our lies about the election. And like this and this shit it, shit is just totally in line with all of that and the, and the goddamn Wall Street Republicans that like want to use these people for votes like are out there like tweeting like Patrick Graffini's like hell yeah Oliver Anthony what's the left's response to this and I'm like you're a fucking moron you're either a moron or you're nefarious and I think it's actually more likely the latter can I just tell you guys a joke real quick yeah please what happens when you play a country song backwards you get your wife back you get your truck back you get your dog back (laughs) (laughs) That is I like country music. I also all I listen to is country music. Was that true? Yes. What's your favorite country song right now? Band, or, well, I mostly artist. listen to nineties country and two thousands country. Oh, okay. uh, Toby Keith. But, you and Tyler have the same playlist. But, no, and actually I, I have a whole rant about Toby Keith. Toby Keith's music is the most misogynistic music. It, they 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 they're 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 boppers. But like, how do you like me now is all about a girl that he like tormented in high school. Uh, because he had a crush on her and then how she wouldn't date him and he was mad about it. And now he's a big country star and she's like sad and crying. And like, how do you like me now? And then he's got another one that's called, I want to talk about me. That's about like, I listen to you go on and on about your stuff, but I want to talk about me. Uh, anyway, I do not like Toby Keith. I wonder why those people liked Donald Trump. Yeah. (laughs) There's a lot of great country music. Sure. Like? Like what? What's what's something that you're liking right now? Shania? Are you are you on a Shania? Run? I'm not, but I've always liked Shania. Dixie Chicks. Well, the, they're just the chicks, the chicks? now, and the chicks. Uh, I don't think they've had new stuff for a while. As your friend Amanda pointed out, Tim, their position is now the dogma position of the entire Republican Party, which cast them into the outer <laughs> darkness. Has there been any sort of yes. reassessment of the Dixie Chicks or apology made to yes. them saying, hey, you know what? We are sorry we tried to cancel you. It turns out you were correct about all of this war stuff. Uh, we feel very. Has that happened? Oh, no, because, again, none of this is about it. real policy. It's all about hating the outgroup. That's what it all is. That's what it all is. It's been a good show, it's been a great a long show. show, but the show is over. Uh, go over to thebulwark.com, sign up and get all the good stuff we do. Uh, you should definitely read Mona's piece today. Really quick, I have a great guest on Sunday, Robbie Kaplan. If this was a, if, if we were in a righteous world, Robbie, do you want to do Why it? Why am I not doing we're, it? We're, we're uh, there should be a rule. Anytime you do lesbians, I get to be on. This is like the seventh lesbian we've had on the Sunday show. So I, all the slander about me being anti-lesbian before, I think I've been, I'm vindicated on. In a righteous world, Robbie would be the most famous lawyer in America. She's unbelievable. And so if you haven't heard about her, you're going to really enjoy the podcast on Sunday. Please tune in. Bye. See ya. See ya.